He is risen. He is alive. And you know what the Bible said? That Jesus speaking said, when I am lifted up, I will draw all people to myself. I'll draw all people to me. Oftentimes we may not have all the answers. We may not know what the future holds. As a matter of fact, most of the time we don't. I mean, it's very little that we actually have control of when you think about it. I mean, we could set the temperature here. We can be inside, but that doesn't mean a hurricane's not going to come, or I should say a tornado. And the reason why I said a hurricane is because I was just in Florida uh, being chased by a hurricane. I actually lost power. We lost our water. We had to evacuate at 3 in the morning. Oh, it was bad. So let's go back to this story, though. It doesn't matter. We control this right here. We control it. Oh, there, there, there. I'm going to control the temperature. I'm in so much control. I'm in a brick building. Okay, what happens if a tornado comes? You know, we were in a beautiful home. We were in a beautiful part of Florida, and, and everything's under control, right? We got the temperature. We've got, we've got all of our food, and then boom, water goes out. Electricity goes out. The wind's going 30, 40, 50, 60 miles an hour. See, life changes quickly, but it doesn't matter the storm. It doesn't matter the situation. It doesn't matter what's going on in politics. It doesn't matter what's going on in our jobs with our crazy neighbors or crazy family members. Jesus is lifted high. Jesus is risen. Somebody shout again, hallelujah. Come on, somebody shout hallelujah. Amen. Open up your Bibles with me to John chapter 7, verse 1. We're going to talk today about the world can't hate you, but it hates me. <laughs> the world can't hate you, but it hates me. I would say turn to your neighbor and tell them that, but now I would say everybody about in here is hated. So you're on that side of the hate. But I would say after this, find somebody at the old country buffet that just came out of their church and say, hey, listen to me. Or somebody who's watching church online today and you see them at the park, tell them, hey, the world can't hate you, but it sure hates me. Jesus talking here in John chapter 7, verse 1 and onward. Says after this, Jesus went around in Galilee. He did not want to go about in Judea because the Jewish leaders there were looking for a way to kill him. And remember, you don't want to kill somebody you love. Jesus wasn't going around spreading niceanity. Jesus had already caused so many problems that they wanted to kill him. Now, just stop and think about this. Has anybody ever been that mad at you? Now, most of us are going to say no. I mean, unless you're in a profession that has to be on the front lines of dangerous situations, most of us are going to say nobody's been that mad at me that they want to kill me. But let me ask you a question. Are there people that mad at Christians right now around the world that they want to kill them? There are people that mad at Christians in North Korea that they want to kill them. There are people that mad at Christians in Pakistan that they want to kill them. There are people that mad right now at Christians in Nigeria that they want to kill them for no other reason except they are a Christ follower. So why should we find it surprising in this culture when we start to hear about, even now in the United States of God-blessed America, that people want to kill Christians? Like those from our Nini's Deli, like Juan Riasco. He was threatened unto death. Because of his belief in Jesus Christ. Isn't that something? Already now, the trickling of persecution coming into America. And should we think it's strange? Not at all. Because the Jews were looking for a way to kill Jesus. Were they looking for a way to kill Jesus because he was a pedophilia, a pedophile? No, that's Netflix, isn't it? Come on, somebody. That's the show Cuties. Were they looking for a way to kill him because he was murdering babies? No, that's Joe Biden. Come on, somebody. Were they looking for a way to kill him because he wanted to change the gender of an of a adolescent boy into a girl? Is that why they were looking for a way to kill him? No, that's what Oprah and Ellen want everybody allowed to do right now. Are you listening? A child that's not even an adult mutilate its body. No, why were they looking for a way to kill him? They were looking for a way to kill him because in his message was the promotion of the kingdom of God, and the kingdom of God is exclusive to the people of God, and they didn't like that. He said, I'm preaching the kingdom. You're not in it. Repent to get in it or you perish. 
He said it all the time, and I've reminded you here today, even in the sweetest, most nicest gospel verse, the most popular verse in the whole world, the one that Billy Graham made famous, John 3.16, let's say it together. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not what? Perish, but have eternal life. Right there in the sweet message of John 3.16 is you better believe in the Son of God. If you don't believe in the Son of God, you're going to what? Perish. That's why they wanted to kill him. Is that coming to a, to a school near you? Absolutely, children. Be ready. It's coming to a high school new year, near, near here. It's coming to a college campus near here. Is it coming to a job near you? Absolutely. Why is it they don't want to kill people who believe in Santa Claus? If it was just fiction, why is it they don't want to believe in people who think that the stars can tell their future? Why is it that Christians all across the world throughout all history have been the number one persecuted group? Why? Because when people believe the message of the kingdom of God, they are no longer good subjects to kings and queens and dictators and imams and rulers who want to rule over them. They now submit to God more than they submit to Caesar. They submit to God more than they submit to Sharia law. They submit to God more than they submit to the caste system of India. They submit to God more than they submit to the, to the rulers of the Chinese dynasties. Are you listening to me? They submit to God more than they submit to the Aztec leader. Christianity divides families. Christianity divides societies. Christianity divides friends. Jesus taught us that in other passages, that the people of your own family will be the worst, uh, will be your enemies. They'll be your worst persecutors. They'll be the one to go tell on you. Jesus was in this place of Galilee and did not want to go to Judea because the Jewish leaders there were looking for a way to kill him. There is nothing uh, metaphorical about that. That is a literal person named Jesus, God in the flesh, but living as a man that says, I don't want to go here because the Jewish leaders, which he was a Jew and followed the Jewish religion, and all Jews need to do to be Christians is just accept their Messiah. Are you listening? Everybody else has to change their religion. All Jews do need is just need to accept Jesus as their Messiah, and if they want to continue in practicing the things of Moses, they can, but they can't do it for the sake of salvation or righteousness. But Jesus, as a Jew, cannot go among his own people because they want to kill him. That is a real thing to think about right now, isn't it? But when the Jewish festival of tabernacles was near, Jesus' brothers said to him, Leave Galilee and go to Judea so that your disciples there may see the works you do. And no one who wants to be a public figure acts in secret. Since you are doing these things, show yourself to the world. For even his own brothers did not believe in him. Now let's just think about this and unpack this. Stay right there. Go back a little bit, please. The Bible says, number one, Jesus had brothers. So this, this proves the idea of the perpetual virginity of Mary. Joseph and Mary had a normal marriage relationship after Jesus was born. I mean, Joseph might have loved God and loved, you know, loved raising Jesus, but he also had some needs. Are you listening? And Mary was a woman. Mary was a woman. And this tradition that Mary didn't have children came when the monks and all of these, these people didn't want to have sex anymore and they wanted to act like sex was something dirty. And they said, oh, Mary couldn't do that. Mary, oh, Mary's so pure she couldn't do it. Yes, she could. I'm married to a pure woman of God that still enjoys to have sex and other children. Are you listening to me? Y'all are getting quiet in this Presbyterian church. We need to take back the conversation of sex. We need to stop letting the world control the conversation of sex. Sexual pleasure, sexual intimacy, bearing for children is natural and should be embraced by the Christian church. And we shouldn't follow the traditions of men that make sex out to be something bad and to the fact that we now have to go back into the story and try to work this out to make sense to show that Mary's still a virgin. 
as if being married and having sex is unclean and dirty and filthy. It's not. Jesus actually says we are his bride. He is intimate with us. And if you want to see an analogy of what bride and grooms do, read the book of Song of Solomon. But make sure you read it with the right heart and don't go exploring if you're not married, okay? Because it's only meant for a, a newlywed couple to explore the book of Song of Solomon and get a commentary to help you understand the analogies going on in there. We're not the first generation to talk about a woman's body or a man's body. The only thing is we don't do it like Cardi B and be gross about it. We do it in a romantic, beautiful, uplifting way where we value the image of God in male and female. Amen? I mean, I just want to ask Cardi B, how many times you've been to the clinic? How many times have you had to have an abortion? How many times have you had to wonder whether or not the person you slept with that night is even going to know your name or remember you the next day? I mean, let's be honest. The world doesn't know what they're doing with sexuality. But we do. We do as the church. We do as Christians. We love what God made, and we believe that it's good. We believe that it's blessed. So just recognize here that, that Jesus had brothers. Also recognize that it's a festival time, the festival of tabernacles. The Jewish people had festivals all throughout the year, and this was the festival also known as booths, depending on what translation you, you use. A booth and a tabernacle is the same kind of thing here. It basically is a tent. It's what they lived in in the time of the wilderness, from, from Egypt to the promised land. And God wanted them to have a week-long festival where they remember what it was like to live in tents. And so here Jesus' brothers say to him, Hey, why don't you leave here this small town of Galilee? Get out of this small town here. And why don't you go to Judea? Go to Jerusalem. Go to where the party's at and show all your magic tricks over there. Show all the people the stuff you can do. Show off a little bit. Get some people healed. Do some of these things over there. Because you know what? Everybody needs to see this. A public figure doesn't act in secret, and that's what you want to be, isn't it? Show yourself to the world. They mock Jesus. They ridicule Jesus. Jesus' half-brothers, who we know later on become Christians, James and Jude, are mocking him right here. They're challenging him. They're saying, hey, do something to really show who you are. But in our minds, we don't really believe you are that person. We believe when you go there, you'll get arrested and possibly killed, and we're actually better off with that than you walking around here thinking you're the Messiah or something. There are people that are close to you that want to see you fail. There are people close to you that are acting like they have your best interests in mind and they're giving you advice to do certain kinds of things. But it's not for you to succeed. It's only for you to fail. You have to learn to hear the voice of the Father and only do what you see him doing. Jesus at this moment could have tried to do it in the flesh and said, yeah, well, I'm, I'm going to go do it. I'm going to go prove who I am. Let me at him. I'm going to go to the people who want to kill me, and I'm going to start calling down fire, and I'm going to do all of this. I'm going to show them that I am the king of kings. No, Jesus doesn't do that. As we're going to see in the story, Jesus does something opposite of that. But before we get to it, I want us all to make the application into our lives right now. People are going to try to tell you to leave and to go. They're going to try to tell you to do things in life, and it's going to come with the air of superiority or of man's wisdom, and it's going to seem so tempting for you to do it, but you have to be able to hear what God is saying. Not what your brothers are saying, not what your coworker is saying, not what even your boss is saying, not what even a spouse, an unsaved spouse, I should clarify, is saying. You need to know what God is saying. I have people all the time mock our ministry. They act like they have our best intentions in mind, but they want to mock us. They want to see us fail. They want to see us be ridiculed by the world. They, they probably wouldn't even be upset if I got killed. I was talking to some people about the Nini's Deli situation and us being persecuted, and I said, what if somebody would have shot me and I would have died? Would you guys have stopped coming to church? 
because they were accusing of, uh, uh, us they were accusing us of being unwise in our methods that we were unwise we were not we were not wise enough to recognize that a riot was going to break out and that we should have ran away and tucked our tail etc and i said well let me just ask you a question even if in that mistake of what you call a mistake but i believe i was supposed to be there i would have died that day how would that have made you feel would that have been a sign that I'm not a good pastor and that Metro Praise needs to shut down now? Everybody go scatter off and find another church. Well, our pastor died under persecution. I mean stupidity. No, people are so foolish, and I mean this from the bottom of my heart. you got to love and forgive those who know not what they do. But I think there's even people, I mean literally because they were around then, I think there's even people that if you died, even if you died, they would be a little bit happy. While we were doing the COVID thing, people would say, well, I hope they all get COVID and no nurses help them and all this and that. Like, literally, like, like we just want you to die. We actually would be happy if we saw Metro Praise people dying. We would be okay with, that would make us feel better about what we're doing. You see, the brothers here were far from God. And Jesus is the son of God with the virgin birth. And I'm sure it was hard growing up with a perfect brother. I understand that. That might be difficult for them. A man that knows all things can do no wrong, always makes his mama happy. That might have caused some jealousy because we know that even just with Joseph getting a coat of many colors and a little bit of favor from his brothers made the brothers want to kill him. And if it wasn't for one of them stepping in and stopping it, which brother was it that stepped in and stopped it? Who was it? Look it up. I want to know that, but let's give him some credit here. It wasn't Reuben? Amen. It was Reuben, praise God, stepped in and said, let's not kill Joseph. Say it again. I can't hear you. Sell him. Yes, thank you. Sorry, you're helping me preach. I thought you were trying to help me say the name. Got a little distracted there. Sell him. Yes. Reuben said, let's not kill him. But then Reuben went off to say, well, let's just sell him into slavery. Well, great, Reuben. We're so glad you spared his life. But is that all you could think of, you know? But no, it was, I'm going to come back and get him. I'm going to come back and get him. But, but you hear that in the brothers, the jealousy was so strong, the jealousy was so great that they were okay with their brother being put to death even by their own hands. And if it didn't come to that and they didn't, didn't want to do that, sell him into slavery. That's the kind of brothers Jesus had. We, we know that we can hear from around the people that they want to kill you. We can hear that you're disliked. But you know what? We're just going to throw you out there. Go on out there, Joseph, uh, Jesus. Go on out there. Prove yourself. Show us who you really are. And if you die, well, you die. We get more of an inheritance from Joseph, you know. People in your life can be that harsh. People can be that wicked. People can really hate you and what you believe to the point that they would even rather see you die than live a convicting life to them and represent to them the kingdom of God. Isn't that what's going on in the world right now? I mean, why not just leave alone the Christians in that uh, a Nigerian village? Just leave them alone. Why do the Muslims, as they gather power, go from village to village to village? It's because they know that Christianity stands in opposition to what they believe. Christianity speaks against the prophet Muhammad. And Christianity says, not in a harmful way, not in a way to kill their villagers, but says that if you don't repent, you'll go to hell. And so to silence the opposition, they go from village to village to village, kidnap their children, kidnap the women so that they can no longer bear fruit and be a Christian people. Cut off the limbs of the men so they can no longer farm. These are true stories. How can people be that wicked? How can people be that evil? It's because the enemy who uses people hates us that much. The thief only comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And we understand that the devil who had once tempted Jesus is now using people to come against Jesus. And we learn through the apostle Paul that it's Satan that we're actually battling with his principalities and his powers of darkness. It's really not flesh and blood. It's the principalities behind the flesh and blood that are using these people. And I know so often we might want to skip a step 
instead of calling the person a person, but being influenced by a demon, it's now becoming popular to call the people demons, and we need to be careful with that. Democrats, you know, Democrats, Dem- Democrats, and then this demon over here, and they point to a person. We need to be careful with that because people are not demons. People are made in the image of God. People are the special, unique creation of God. There is redemption even in this story, but uh, it doesn't end here, though. You have to go to the book of James or the book of Jude. Just go to James chapter 1, verse 1. James, one of the brothers here that's mocking Jesus, eventually comes to believe in Jesus. James chapter 1, verse 1, at the beginning of his epistle, he says, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. The word Lord there is the is a representation of the Hebrew word Lord, Yahweh. So he's saying, I am a servant of God, the great God of heaven and earth, and Yahweh, Jesus Christ. Jesus is equal with God. He is my Lord. Isn't that something? Go to Jude chapter 1, verse 1. Jude is his other brother. Jude became a follower of Jesus. Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and a brother of James. Here now we know that the Lord's brother has a brother as well, so that must mean they're all brothers. But he doesn't use that as rank. He simply says, I am a servant of Jesus the Messiah, Jesus Christ. That's what Christ means, is the Messiah. It's actually a title. It's not his last name. His last name would have been Jesus, son of Joseph. That's how they said last names. And I think it's somewhere in um, Iceland or Greenland where they still have their last names just like that. You'll see somebody like Margaret, Joseph's daughter, and that's their last name, Joseph's daughter. Have you guys seen those kinds of names before? Look at what country it, looks, it does that, where they are named after their father. Well, that's from the Jewish kind of roots right there as well. So he is not saying Jesus' last name. He is saying Jesus' title. That means Jude became a servant of his brother who he knew was the Christ. He knew was the Christ. What, what, what country is it, Greenland or Iceland? Iceland, thank you. Go back to the sermon These brothers are becoming his enemies, and yet at one time, and at another time rather, they're going to be servants of Jesus Christ. Don't give up on your haters. Pray for them. Believe that God can change their hearts. We see that this festival was going on, and that they wanted him to come and possibly die, even though that was their brother. But thank God, Jesus had a plan not to die before his time. Keep going now to verse 6. Therefore Jesus told them, talking to his brothers, my time is not yet here. For you, any time will do. For you, you can do whatever you want. And he says, the world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify that its works are evil. Please highlight verse 7, and let's repeat it together on the count of three. One, two, three. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify that its works are evil. You go to the festival. I'm not going up to this festival because my time has not yet fully come. After he said this, he stayed in Galilee. There's a little bit of a variant here that says, I'm not going up yet to this festival. Some manuscripts have that. Because as we're going to see, Jesus does go. So let's just deal with this right here so that you can come up with one of three solutions, possible solutions for what may look like Jesus contradicting himself. He says to his brothers, he's not going to go, but in a little while he does go. Number one, it could be the variant is true that it's supposed to say he's not yet going up. And so like we said, some manuscripts have that. Sometimes people who translated the manuscripts tried to save a manuscript from an error and add things that they thought was an error, but it really wasn't. And so yet may not belong in there. It might just be a scribe trying to help it along where he ought not to do that. But it could very possibly be the yet, as we see at the verse 6, is also in verse uh, 8 there. Uh, The next possibility, which is the one that I accept, is that Jesus is faking them out because he's not going when they want him to go, and he's not going for the reasons that he wants them to go. He's going to go at his own time to his own uh, place, not to the place maybe that they want him to be at. And so that would be a technical uh, difference to going up and to a festival, like when is he going, where is he going, and is he doing it their way. So he's basically saying, I'm not doing it your way, I'm doing it my way. 
And so it's more of just a fake out, not a deception. This would be similar with the disciples on the road to Emmaus. He makes it appear that he's going to keep going with them, but he doesn't. He also appears as somebody in a body other than what they can recognize. So he comes in a different body, and then he, he kind of fakes them out and then goes when they think he's going to stay. The others would be, uh, the other last option would be that Jesus did have a falsehood, but there's a difference between a falsehood and a lie, and that gets into the time of like Rahab. Rahab does not say exactly where the spies are going. She points them in the wrong direction. And so at times of war or at times of difficulty, God allows us to give false information to people, but it's not considered a moral lie because in that situation, they would do harm with the truth we would give them. In other words, you're hiding Jews under your, your floor. The soldier comes in. Where are the Jews? You can tell the truth and say they're here or say a falsehood. They're not here. They're over there. Go look over there. And so then we get into situational ethics. I just personally believe it's a fake out. Let the Lord lead you as you pray to understand how the scriptures correspond with moral truths. But let's now get into the lesson here that Jesus teaches. He says, my time has not yet come because he knew he was going to die. And I believe he knew if he went that way at that time that he would die in their hands probably by stoning. And he knew that was not the way. The prophecy was whoever hangs on a tree is cursed. He had to be lifted up as Moses lifted up the serpent. And so this is the foreshadow of the cross. Psalm 22 said that they gamble for his clothes, that there is a crowd around him as they are looking up to him, hurling insults. Once again, all of those passages speaking towards a death on a cross. And so he knew he wasn't supposed to die by the stoning or the mob violence. He then says to them that the world cannot hate you. What does he mean by that? Because there's a lot of sinners that hate other sinners, aren't there? You ever seen the beefs online between different movie stars or different famous people? It's silly, isn't it, what they're fighting over? But they make it such a big deal, and the news follows all these issues. Or a divorce goes bad, and a couple begins to fight with each other, and they hate each other. Well, of course, sinners can hate each other. But what Jesus is talking about here when he says the world cannot hate you, what he is saying is the world cannot hate you for the beliefs and the stances that you take because you are just like the world. You are of the world. But then he clarifies and he says, but the world can hate me because I testify that their works are evil. How many had friends before you were a Christian and they loved you, but after you became a Christian, they started to hate you? What changed? The way you talked about what they did. Are you listening to me? How many, how many I mean, come on, let's be honest. How many of you have a past? Come on, let's talk about your past for a minute. I know it's as far as the east is from the west, but some of y'all just got to remember it just for a minute, just for a minute for an illustration how many have a past? Raise your hand. How many have a past with some people in your life that remember your past? How many, how many know they try to remind you every now and then when you post something up? I remember you. I know you. Okay. How many, keep your hands up. How many of you have a past with some people you, do, you did some crazy stuff that you regret? Okay. Now, now I'm talking to people in here. That's the people I'm talking to. Did they hate you when you were at the club for the most part? No. Did they hate you when you were having one-night stands? Did they hate you when they were, you know, taking you to the abortion clinic? Did they hate you when you were committing crimes? Did they hate you when you were doing all that they were doing? Of course not. They didn't hate you because you were just like them. Did they hate you when you were a part of the beehive? Did they hate you? I'm trying to make more examples here. You were supporting Beyonce. Did they hate you when you went shopping with them all the time? No. When did the hate come? When you testified that what they were doing was evil. I remember my friends finding out that I became a Christian, and they said, no, come to the party, man. Come on. And I said, you know what? I'm not really down with that stuff anymore. I know it seems crazy, but, man, I I'm high on Jesus right now. I use that language. I still do. Ain't no high like the most high. Give Jesus a try. So I'm like, man, I'm high on Jesus. I don't need to go to that party. And they were like, well, you know what? Even if you don't get high, just come along with us. Just hang out. Because they were in their mind thinking, hey, it's cool to be around Joe, but they had no idea that Joe is not the Joe they know anymore. And so when I came to that party and I hung out, 
and I started to testify about why I don't do drugs anymore, they hated me now. Now, they didn't beat me up right there at the party, but they didn't sit next to me anymore. So why aren't you getting high? Because I think it's a sin and it leads to hell and I want to go to heaven. Do you want to go to heaven? Because you're not going there right now. You're going to hell. What? That just took 20 seconds to tell them that. I didn't even have to have a long conversation. Do you want to get drunk? Do you want to drink? No, I don't, I'm not even legal to drink. I'm 18 years old. I don't want to drink. I don't want to get drunk. Do, do you want to get drunk and go to hell? Because that's where drunkards go. I had a girl, and I'm not saying I was the hottest of the bunch. I'm just saying I had a girl that would not leave me alone for a certain season. And it tested me in this. And I got to say this to some of you because you may be the hot to trot female and guys are chasing you. Or you may be the hot to trot male and ladies are chasing you. So I just got to be real about my testimony. Can pastor share a testimony? I wasn't always married. I wasn't always off limits. And so this girl just kept calling me up. She said, oh, well, we don't have to do all that. We can just hang out. I'm telling you, we can just hang out. And I, <laughs> I'm ashamed to say this right now. Y'all going to just not like me. But I was only barely saved. Somebody say he was barely saved. I only been saved a month or two. I said, you can come, <laughs> I said, you can come and do my homework because I was in college. I started going back to school. My face is getting red. <laughs> this girl came to my house, man. She's doing my homework. I, t- I told you I was barely saved. And this girl's doing my homework. And you're talking about two months ago, we would not have been doing homework in my parents' house. I had been living on my own, either in renting apartments or couch surfing for since I was like 15 years old. Now I'm in my, my parents' house with, you know what I'm saying, the, the bedspread of, uh, you know, like the superheroes and stuff, man. Like it is a weird world that I'm living in now. And my mom walks into my room at 2 in the morning and sees a woman in my room. And my parents had always been Christians as long as I was alive. They got saved in their, in their 20s and 30s. And so my mom walks in and goes, what in the world? Do you have a girl in here? for and I'm like oh, you have a girl in here she's like what, are you, what is she doing I'm like mom she's doing my homework and my mom just lost it she's like you are supposed to be a Christian and you're not supposed to have girls in your room and you're not supposed to have somebody else doing your homework what are you it's two in the morning you're supposed to be in bed because she said the only way you can move back home now is if you're a Christian because everybody I lived with was non-Christians are you listening to me Come on, somebody say amen. Amen. Listen to me. We have got to understand that the world can't hate you when you're like them. Guess what? When she called me the next time and I said, listen, we're not hanging out anymore unless you come with me to church. Because having sex with people like me outside of marriage, during doing dirty things with people like me, because I know how you is, girl. Come on. Doing things like this is not going to get you into heaven. You're going to go to hell. You think she called me back? You think she called me back? Now, that was it. When I was playing hard to get, oh, she liked that. But when I said, you're going to hell for what you're doing, I'm testifying to you about your evil. Somebody say, give us another example, Pastor. Another example, I was a skateboarder as well. I played sports, I skateboarded, I was a chameleon, I hung out with all different groups of people. I know you're laughing over here to see me skateboarding, do a little ollie here. And so I'm a skateboarder. I got saved in November. So you're thinking December, January, February, March, April, May, June-ish. I think that's when the Three Rivers Festival is. Because uh, in, in Fort Wayne, guess how many rivers there are? Three Rivers, Three Rivers Festival. And so I come to where my skateboarder friends skate, where they would get high, hang out around the stairs, do the ollies off the stairs, you know, do the tricks on the handrails. And so I go to Fryman Square. I bring out my Bible this time, not my skateboard. And I'm telling you, my friends still remember this. I stood up right in front of the whole group, maybe 20 or 30 of them. And if you know skateboarders, they're not normally the most polite and sociably acceptable folks out there, right? So I stood up there right where they were at. And I said, guys, I want to tell you my story. This is what I used to be like. This is what I'm like now. Jesus Christ changed my life. And I want to tell you, he can change yours. Do you think they started banging their skateboards on the ground? That's their way of giving hand claps. Do you think they started going poop, poop, poop? Do you think they stood up and applauded me? No, they started cursing at me. Guys that I could have folded up and crunched and just crumbled in moments got into my face. 
Literally, some of my friends had to pull these little chihuahuas away from me and say, respect him, even if you don't like what he's saying. This is one of us. He used to skate with us. We know who he is. These little guys were getting in my face. And I'm telling you, I almost got into a fight. As a matter of fact, I'll tell you one day, not today, but I'll tell you about the last fight I got into, and it was as a Christian, not as a non-Christian. <laughs> okay? I'll tell you about that fight. But they wanted to fight me. And I'm like, listen, son, I'm saved, but I'm probably not as saved as you think I am. So my friends had to pull them away from me, but they hated me. How many more times you think I was asked to go out? To go, no, nobody wanted to hang out with me. Nobody thought I was cool anymore. And so this is the thing that I want to ask you. And I, I know it's kind of funny when you hear about my 18-year-old testimony. But some of you all 30 years old trying to fit in with people that don't love Jesus. What are you thinking? Some of you, I mean, I'm telling you the truth right now. You're wondering why you don't fit in on Facebook. The world sticks with their kind, and they defend their kind, and they overlook all the problems, and they defend it unto death even, and they will hate you. Why? Because you're, you, you, you know, you're not cute, you're not this or that. No, 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 it's not surface level. This is spiritual now. They will hate us because we testify about their works being evil. And that's where you have to begin to understand. Those you grew up with, you, you shouldn't have a loyalty to that based on the way you guys grew up because they have not valued the things of God. And if they don't value the things of God and they want to curse you out, you don't have to endure that anymore. Jesus said, I'm not going around you guys, but I'll go when I'm ready. And the reason why I'm picking and choosing how I'm hanging out with my own people is because I'm testifying about how they're evil. So you need to now be careful about who, who you're in friendship with, who you do business deals with. I'm still of the persuasion, and I've tried it. I don't even want to get into details, but I have tried to be in partnerships with non-Christians, and even that doesn't work. I think maybe in a job setting it's different, but if you're in a partnership in a business, it is hard. And the Bible says specifically not even to marry non-Christians. And so we have to guard ourselves against them because inwardly, as we teach them about the things of God, they will hate us. And so he says, you guys go because you can go whenever you want. They don't hate you up there. You talk just like them. You're just like my haters, so you go do whatever you want to do. But I'm going to stay right here. Now in verse 10, ending out the story. However, after his brothers had left and had left for the festival, he went also, not publicly. See, that's where I get the idea, like he was, he was faking them out, not being a liar, but he was being wise. So he doesn't go publicly, he goes in secret. What he had refused to do was the way they wanted him to do it, publicly for everybody to see. So he goes, but he goes in secret. Now at the festival, the Jewish leaders were watching for Jesus and asking, where is he at? Where is he at? How many know your hate has always got to find out where you at? They always got to keep track with you, find out what you're doing. I mean, they're watching me right now. Hello, haters. We love you. You're watching me to fail. I get it. I know people always looking up your information, tracking on you and all of that. But, not, but, but listen to me. Not all, not all tracking is hating because I track people I don't hate. I love. I'm just watching them, though. Okay, so I just got to be honest, you know what I'm saying? Some trolling is good trolling, all right? <laughs> a little clarification, a little conviction. Don't want to lie in church, amen, because I will be following some of you. I'll be like, oh, I haven't seen you for a few weeks. Let me check on you. Where is she? Where is he? But this they're doing with the wrong motive, amen? It's the wrong. Somebody say the wrong motive. They're checking up on Jesus for the wrong motive because they want to kill him. I don't want to kill you. I want to help you if I'm looking at your Facebook. Verse 12, among the crowds there was widespread whispering about him. Some said, he is a good man. Others replied, no, he deceives people. But no one would say anything publicly about him for fear of the leaders. Now notice this. Jesus is the one that everybody at this time is talking about. If you're going to listen to what people say about Jesus, let's say you're at this time when this scripture was written, what are you going to think about Jesus if all you're doing is listening to what people say about him? You won't know what side to be on, will you? Because literally it's like split right down the middle. So if you're at this time going, you know what, I'm so afraid of what people are going to say. i got to follow the crowd. I've got to figure out which way the crowd is going. Well, which way is the crowd going? Is the crowd going towards he's a good man or is it going towards he deceives people? You see, what we understand is that if you follow people, people will always lead you astray. People are double-minded. You can always find a person to say what your issuing ears want to hear, in other words. 
If you don't like what's being said at this church, you can probably find a church similar size, similar leadership, similar casual dress, similar worship that will say what your engineer wants to hear. There's always going to be people around you saying whatever you want to hear. So in other words, you could say, well, some days I feel like he's a good man, so I'm going to go hang around with Peter and James and John. I want to go be around these people. But then there's other times where I kind of want to sin, and I don't want to be in the kingdom like that, and I don't want to believe Jesus is a Messiah. So you know what? I'm going to go hang out over here with Caiaphas and other people who say that he's deceiving people. How many of you have ever lived double-minded? Let's be honest. How many of us have ever been like that? You're wishy-washy. You just go wherever you want to be affirmed at that time. That's not true Christianity. True Christianity is knowing who Jesus is without needing to listen to the people. I think it's awesome if you at your job find another coworker that's a Christian. Oh, you're a Christian? Okay, now what kind of Christian are you? Are you like a real Christian or are you like a fake? No, I'm a real Christian, girl. I go to church even right now in COVID. I'm preaching. I'm sharing everything I can on Facebook. And you're like, oh, you get a little secret handshake together. Come on. You get a little secret handshake together. And you're like, oh, we're friends now. We're friends now. Okay, that's, that's amazing. But listen. Even if on your job you never felt uh, find a friend like that, how many know you're still going to live for Jesus on your job? You're still going to live for Jesus on your job. And, and during this time of the riots, uh, some, uh, some students found out that some of our leaders here, uh, leaders w- uh, in their school went to this church, and so they set up a little mini riot or a little mini protest, and they named their names. Get rid of this person, this person, and this person. Well, two out of those three people just left the church. They said, well, we're out of here, but one stayed in the church. And you know what? They said, I want to go to the meeting where you're talking about this because the, the principal held a meeting and said, let's get all these people together, uh, the, 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 uh, the leaders of the school. Let's get all of our you know, uh, people here to discuss it, and those people never came. You know why? Because they were cowards. They thought to themselves, you know what, they hate me because I just go to this church. Now I'm not going to go to that church anymore. And so if they want to check on me, I'll just say, man, I go to this church. I go to this church. So I'm not a part of Metro Praise. Are you all listening? Somebody say, it just got real. I mean, you're talking about you make a living off this stuff. You, you know, you're, you're a, a person that expects to have a salary, and now some student is standing outside of your school going, you go to a racist church, you go to a this kind of church or whatever. What do you do in that moment? Well, Pastor Berto, and I'll put his name out there because he wants you to know his name. Pastor Berto Gofea said, I'm showing up to the meeting, and I'm going to tell you a thing or two. I'm going to make sure you know what I believe and what our church teaches, and let hell or high water come, I'm standing my ground. And since we are still in God-blessed America, I got a lawyer waiting for one of y'all to mess up my civil liberties. Because we still have rights in this country as Christians. And you don't get the permission to fire me because I don't agree with you. And so he went to that meeting, and I I don't know because I wasn't there. I don't know if he was bold and sassy or just kind and kept together. I don't know, but when he told me about it, he was clear in his speech. He made his points known. He backed it up with Scripture, with the law of the land as well, saying, I haven't violated any principle Our church simply believes in this and doesn't believe in that. And he was clear. And at the end, you know what Christians did? They were about split. Half of them came to him and said, oh, man, I wish I had the courage you had. You know, my church hasn't opened yet, and I think they should. And and then I'm seeing all this stuff going on, and I know Black Lives Matter, but, man, I can't support the move. And they came and they said, but I'm glad you're saying it, and I need to start doing more. And then you know what? Other people came to him and said, Hey, do you need a safe word to leave that church? Because, I, I mean, it sounds like that church might be a cult. I mean, you guys preach on the streets all the time, and you do discipleship. See, the church I go to, I just get to sit in and hide and volunteer for stuff whenever I want to. Like, do you need a safe word to leave? And, and literally, Berto told me that a younger man said that to him, and he, like, invited him to his church and said, it's, it's okay because I know the others left. It's okay. You can leave, too, if you want to get out. And Berta was like, young man, I'm serving Jesus. You should come to my church. No, I'm kidding. I don't know what he said to that guy. <laughs> oh. But you can always find people to agree or disagree with you. And especially if you're looking for that feeling of following the crowd, there's always a crowd that will agree with you and not hate you. 
What you have to be willing to do is stand up for who Christ is and what Christ's saying to do. Jesus knew who he was, and it didn't matter if they thought he was good or if they thought he was bad. He was going to be who he was called to be. And he ended up giving his life for us, didn't he? Vinny, would you come, please? See, the world can't hate you, but it can hate me. We need to own this in this season. Go down to the final uh, uh, verse here, please. The final passage, John, 7, uh, John 15, 18. Jesus continues on with this thought as we get ready to close out. How many are blessed you came to church today? Amen. Band, would you come up as well? Jesus says, if the world hates you, keep in mind it hated me first. I was, uh, you know, looking at what other pastors' responses were to what was going on in our culture. And some pastors were doing Blackout Tuesday. Other pastors were saying, I support Black Lives Matter, putting up the whole, what do they call that, um, layover of the, the, the Facebook profile, the image over it. And guess what? Guess who came on there? Just people applauding. That just takes so much courage. But understand this. When you stand against the world, they're going to hate you. I've watched people I've known for years be the most gentlest, kindest people receive hate because they're not going along with the world. Just a perfect example would be Tisa, our missionary. Beautiful, beautiful woman. Does, uh, you know, a beautiful heart and a beautiful woman inside and out. Married to Gene, who's a handsome man, because I don't want that to be weird. I feel like I said beautiful too much right there. Um, just a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful woman. I don't know where I was going with that. I'm just like, what I'm trying to say, she would laugh with me as I'm embarrassed here. She would probably laugh at me if she was here. Somebody sent this part to her. Um, Eugene, who's a handsome stud of a man, married to a beautiful woman. She's just like the nicest person. That's what I'm trying to get to. It's like the nicest, sweetest, kindest. Those are the adjectives I was going for. That's what I meant to go for. Just such a sweet person. We're in these online debates, and people are calling us racist, and people are being fools. And Tisa's like, I know Joe has worked in the inner city. He's helped people. I'm a missionary. And then to Africa, I've lived there for 15 years. And then somebody spouts out, that's because you're a white colonial oppressing the black people of their country. Like she could not say anything right. She has literally, she literally went from one orphanage to found, to start, from Mozambique, one that was established, to start an orphanage from scratch in, in South Africa with the women of the night who don't know what to do with their children. She literally started an orphanage, but yet a woman could just shout at her on Facebook, all caps, you're a white colonialist. If the world hates you, keep in mind it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. See, if you were a woke missionary, they would love what you were doing over there. But since you're not a woke missionary, the Bible says as it is, you don't belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That's why the world hates you. Remember what I told you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you. If you obey my teaching, they will obey yours. They will treat you this way because of my name, for they do not know the one who sent me. And we can stop there. Can we all stand up today and say, I'm going to live for Jesus as you give God a hand clap of praise. Come on, somebody say, I'm going to live for Jesus. Come on, I'm going to live for Jesus. That's what I'm going to do. Altar workers, would you come? Father, we thank you that in this season, we know if the world hates us, it's because we bear your name. We teach your teachings. And we won't hold it against them. We will pray for redemption in this time. If your own brothers who were careless about your life, seeming to want you to even die, could become your followers, Lord, even our haters in this time can become like you. Lord, I pray for repentance for those other two people that I even spoke about in this service, that they would repent from their cowardice and that they would stand up for you, O oh Lord. 
We pray for any and all of our haters. We pray for our family members who are haters. We pray for our neighbors. Come on, pray for your haters right now. We pray for anyone that's persecuted us, abandoned us, left us, mocked us, joined in with the crowd. Come on, we forgive them, but we pray for them to become James and Jude. We pray for them to stop being of the world. We pray for them to stop being of the world, but for them to be for Christ, to stand for Jesus, to stand for Jesus. If you're here today and you have never accepted Christ, do so even right now as we're praying for those who have not accepted Christ. You pray, accept Jesus into your life. Say, Jesus, be the Lord of my life. Forgive me of my sins and start today to follow and say, Lord, I want to follow your teachings even if the world hates me. Right now, come on, let's keep praying for people who need to get on fire for God during this time. Let's pray for churches. I had a pastor come to the Jesus Matters Conference, and he said the pastor's group that I was in asked me to go to a march, and while I was there, they started chanting Black Lives Matter. He's like, what did I get myself into with these pastors? I don't want to be here. I don't want to chant this thing that's causing so much division and that has a platform of homosexuality and has a platform of just, you know, tearing down the police department. Come on, let's pray for churches to get on fire. Jesus, set churches on fire. Make us radical for you. Change the world, oh God. If you've ever dealt with persecution and you're needing some encouragement, would you come to these uh, altar workers even right now? You can pick whatever's safe for you in your distance, but they'll pray for you to endure through persecution. If you've suffered during this time from family or friends, let them pray for you. We're going to close out in worship. And if you have prayer needs for anything, a healing, or if you have prayer needs for what's going on in your life, we're going to end in worship. And as we do, please come and receive prayer. Father, bless us as we go today. Help us, O Lord, to be your disciples, whether the world loves us or hates us. May we stand for your kingdom during this time. And may the nations come to know and love you. In Jesus' name we pray, Father. And everybody said, amen. Can you bless them one more time, saints? God bless you. You're dismissed. Come on up if you need prayer. Worship team, would you lead us in a song as we move on? God bless you. Wherever you've got to go today, go as a soldier of the Lord. Jesus, you're worthy. Cause Jesus, you're worthy.